Hey, this is MJ Rodriguez, and this is Dare I Say, the podcast from Harper's Bazaar, where we sit in on unfiltered conversations between the most influential women of our time. Women daring to make the difference we deserve. Jamila Jamil is not afraid to call out body shaming and diet culture. When she's not filming, the actor and activist can be found sparking lively online debates about toxic beauty standards. The social media account of her I Weigh campaign has more than 948,000 followers. In this episode of Dare I Say, Jamila spoke to Harper's Bazaar's political editor Jennifer Ashley Wright. On top of curating Harper's Bazaar's politics coverage, Jennifer has written history books about fearless women in history, deadly clothing items, and bad historical breakups. Jennifer and Jamila want to free social and mainstream media of toxic masculinity and body and image shaming. They are women who dare. Hi, Jamila. I am so excited to be talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> I feel like it's important to make it clear that toxic masculinity is not all masculine behavior. An example that I think is somewhat helpful is that it's like saying, I don't like burnt toast. That doesn't mean I dislike all toast. That means I don't like toast when it's burnt and displeasurable to most people. And I know that means that we have to define what toxic masculinity is. And social theorists have some very different definitions since the term was first coined, I think, in the 1980s by a man who wanted men to get back in touch with their more masculine side by, uh, by doing drum circles. It's evolved a bit since then. But in my mind, it's probably fair to say that it is a vision of masculinity that encourages dominance over everyone else, whether it's women or gender nonconforming people or men who um, might appear weaker in some way. And that's a vision of masculinity that allows for violence, for sexual harassment, uh, for tremendous cruelty in all manner of forms. I think it stems from a fear of women. And um, I think that that fear of women makes people want to suppress women and disempower them to the point where they won't recognize their own power because a lot of men are very afraid of our power. Because if you think about how extraordinary we are, and I think that sometimes men become afraid that they are redundant beyond their feet and that we don't need them and they don't recognize their value as uh, within relationships or within our lives. And so therefore they are afraid of us and try to bully or pressure or undermine or demean us into submission. And that feels like something that we're experiencing a tremendous amount of right now. I feel like I've been surprised and kind of terrified by the men who are very young, who love people like Donald Trump. 
who to me is kind of the living embodiment of toxic masculinity. Just someone who views every human interaction as a battle for dominance, thinks of people only in terms of winners and losers, views women mostly as physical objects to be owned and won, and not someone who... uh, Use, you know, human interaction as a give and take in, you know, a way that both people can benefit. So I'm I'm wondering why right now we seem to be living in a moment where men seem to love the idea of toxic masculinity and not men who I necessarily think would reap the benefits of toxic masculinity. It's insecurity that makes you uh, feel the need to hugely impress your uh, masculinity over other people or whatever you deem to be masculinity. I think that you are maybe perhaps in doubt of your own sense of whatever masculinity is to you and therefore you feel the need to exaggerate it to other people and oppress and demean, uh, you know, uh, I think you're trying to prove something. The man does protest too much, mm-hmm. perhaps. And I think, again, it stems from fear, and I think that fear is exacerbated now because the internet has given a connection and liberty to women because we're able to tell our stories mm-hmm. and we are able to hear one another's stories and we're about we're allowed to see what's going on across the world. And I think like we aren't divided and conquered anymore. We have this communication line that brings us all together as one. And I think that if you look at the fact that there are more women who are CEOs, we have female world leaders for the first time. Women are fighting back. Women are becoming leading voices. If you look at publishing, it's a predominantly female industry now. And this is where we are receiving our books from. And we have so many female journalists. And there are high pay, highly paid actresses and women on the Forbes list and female billionaires. It is a time where it feels like the, whatever they have, this hold that they had over the world, is like sand slipping between their fingers. And so that is making them, I believe, double down now more than ever, because I can't remember who said it, but someone said that to the privileged, equality feels like oppression. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're going to lose so much because they've never been educated about how much they will gain by allowing not only us in, but also for us to, for them to be able to carry some of our traits that are naturally humanly within them, Mm -hmm. that they've been forced to deny because some insecure idiot decided to reconstruct the idea of what the male gender should behave like. It is so fascinating to me that you say that because, unfortunately, I uh, spend some time reading very toxic ideology from some men who, again, I think are the embodiment of toxic masculinity because I think it's important to know what they're saying. And examples that are always coming up are like, women love John Wayne. Women love John Wayne. They love white knights. Strong men, always unfeminine feminists are lying to you if they say they don't love those men. First of all, I don't know any 21st century women who are like, oh, John Wayne, gotta get that. But second of all, those men aren't real. John Wayne in his private life was a very emotive person who talked very candidly about his struggles with cancer, who had a lot of interesting things to say about relationships. What they're aspiring to be is probably a very nebbishy screenwriter's idea of what a masculine man looks like. And that nebbishy screenwriter has no idea, so the character is mostly silent. He's mostly silent and punching things. I mean, first of all, when women love 
John Wayne. There was no one, there was no other archetype of man to love, and he was presented to us as the hero. We are very influenced by media. We are influenced by Disney. We are influenced by everything that we see on the television, everything we read about in the magazines. If we are told that this is what is attractive, then we are likely to accept that, especially if there's no other alternative. There was this wonderful moment where Hugh Grant came along, mm-hmm. uh, birthed by Richard Curtis, who wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, and there, there was not there was not a dry seat in the house. <laughs> so everyone, everyone fell in love with Hugh Grant, and he was this sort of dithering, nervous, anxious, and an icon of masculinity, I believe, was of, of men, was born in that role. Thank you to Richard Curtis, mm-hmm. because suddenly we all, you know, we loved Colin first, Bridget Jones' diary, that the speed at which those men were embraced and adored and, and hero-worshipped by women around the world, not just England, mm-hmm. was a clear sign that that speaks to us more. Mm-hmm. We just weren't given an alternative. Mm-hmm. But these really diminishing archetypes of what a woman is in most Hollywood films and then how... The man is portrayed as uh, the man is portrayed as all powerful. You look at any Bond film, and Bond is the one saving everyone, fixing everything, and the woman mm-hmm. with her beauty and her bewildering ways is always the one who's getting him into trouble. Men are between three and four times more likely to die by suicide than women in the U.S. That's according to the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. Ever since suicide rates started being recorded. That disparity has existed. Many experts say it comes down to the way children are socialized. Depression rates are so high with men. Uh, Suicide rates are so high. And I think a lot of, this is speculative, but I think a lot of that may come from feeling like you do have to be a screenwriter's idea of John Wayne, where you just are strong and silent most of the time, and you don't reveal your feelings and you don't cry. And one of the few upsides of being a woman is if you're sad, you know, you can call over your friends and say, I feel sad. I just, I, I feel sad this week. And I don't know if that's a luxury that men have within the confines of toxic masculinity. No, they don't. Look at Piers Morgan. I mean, Piers Morgan... <sighs> He's this journalist in England, but he's, just, he's an, an icon of toxic masculinity, and he doesn't even do it in the way that Trump does. Like he's not walking around grabbing pussies. He's actually very camp mm-hmm. uh, in his manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, found, you know, he took so much issue with the Gillette advert and tried to kind of steer all of his followers against the Gillette advert. He's very pro-Trump. He's very, um, he was very, very threatened to see a picture of Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking down the street holding his baby in a papoose. Oh, that's you know, right. That yes. That you hold a baby with. And he said, Bond would never do this. This is, an, this is outrageous. This is a disgrace. <laughs> and this is just a, a man wearing a device that is thin enough that his baby can feel his heartbeat and can feel that he's close to him rather than in a big plastic contraption. A papoose is such a lovely... It's such a lovely way to hold a child. Lane. Yes. Exactly. I don't know if you experienced any of the fury towards the new Captain Marvel movie, which I thought was just this lovely, inspiring movie. And men are so angry because there's a scene of Nick Fury washing dishes in it with uh, with Brie Larson. They're washing dishes together after eating a meal and having a conversation. And there is great rage that, like, a manly man should not be doing this. Well, you know, if you ate the meal off the dishes, yeah, you can help clean up. It'll it'll make it go faster. What does a manly man do 
when he's single. Like, do I just eat their dishes? Like, do I throw them out the window? No, he just he's food? only eating a steak with his hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, like, just chewing, like, biting into an animal raw. Forks are for wimps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, it seems like it would incapacitate you in terms of having just most of the basic experiences in life. It seems like such a lovely thing to be able to hold your own child and walk with them and be close to them. It's so stupid to me, the concept of toxic masculinity and how that controls the way that women are able to function in the world. Like the, the part of it that I find the most but just offensively backwards and ridiculous, like frankly, truly ridiculous, uh, is the fact that, you know, if you look at countries in the world that really oppress women in like more severe ways than we experience in the West, where women aren't allowed to drive or they're not allowed to be educated, they're not allowed to work, they're not allowed to leave the house unaccompanied, which is happening to you know, tens of millions of women around the world. If you don't educate women and you don't allow them to work, then you only have half a workforce keeping an enormous country afloat. How are you supposed to compete with America or uh, Europe where women are able to work alongside the men, of course, for less money and in often less powerful positions that we are rising? Mm-hmm. How can you compete possibly when you have half a workforce? It just doesn't, it's just not good math. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Yes. And, and so short-sighted and they will forever, they would forever, they would rather live in these conditions where so many people are dying of hunger and a very old-fashioned ways to die and a lack of water <laughs> just because they're so afraid of women becoming empowered and driving and learning and working. It's so strange to me how short-sighted it is and how they are really just just cutting off their nose to spite their face. Yes, and when it changes, when they do start incorporating in more women, conditions change dramatically. And one of the most... Sadly, obvious examples I can think of are conditions in Rwanda right now, which after the genocide, because of the huge loss in population, rule was instituted that the government had to be at least 50% female. And uh, suddenly it means that they're using drones to drop off medical supplies in a lot of the country. The schools are incredible. They've got a one laptop policy per child. And it's a country that has undergone massive changes because of this infusion of women in the government that we probably never would have expected a decade ago. 100%. The term toxic masculinity originates from psychology research from the 1980s. It reached its zenith in 2018, in particular with Brett Kavanaugh's selection to the Supreme Court. This term is now widely understood to mean the strict adherence to traditional ideas of masculinity. The code of toxic masculinity requires that men are dominant over everyone else and show limited emotions. It has implications for people across the gender spectrum. A lot of people, whenever I bring up toxic masculinity, say, well, we have to talk about toxic femininity, too. And I do feel like if you look at masculinity and femininity as kind of being a spectrum and you view toxic masculinity as being the horrible end of that spectrum where any normal masculine feelings like being attracted to a woman are compounded with a sense of entitlement and a sense of a need for dominance that can facilitate rape or sexual harassment. If you look at femininity, I think a lot of 
the social conditioning that goes into women are you have to be very nice. You have to be very polite all the time. You have to be beautiful. You have to be beautiful from about uh, 10 until the day you die, which is, of course, an impossible standard. So I think usually if women go to the far end of that spectrum, it doesn't end up harming other people so much as it ends up harming themselves. What you get at the far end of that spectrum is a bunch of women who are desperate to lose weight, always, no matter how skinny they are, they always need to lose four pounds. And women who have kind of entered into an endless cycle of plastic surgery because they need to look beautiful until they die, which can encompass some very... They need to look beautiful for men. Yes, and they need to be attractive to men. And it also facilitates very bad relationships if your worth is based on the fact that uh, men... I have a man. I uh, I have a man. I have a male partner. But also, like, I think think toxic femininity exists because of toxic masculinity. I think that toxic masculinity is the the mothership of all of, of those issues. And I think there would be no toxic femininity or far less toxic femininity without toxic masculinity. And I, and I feel comfortable in saying that because the oppressive force is for sure toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. That is the oppressor. And women are the oppressed. And it's very rare to find a woman who isn't oppressed in this world, even if she doesn't know she is oppressed. Often we are because we are just not given the same rights. Mm-hmm. I believe that toxic, toxic masculinity births toxic femininity and it exists as a result of how small-minded men have taught us that we have to be in order to be deemed valuable in this world. And that often makes us turn on each other. Mm -hmm. It's competition. We're not just bitchy for no reason. There's a sense of competition between us because we've been taught to compete for men. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also competition between us because we've always been taught that there's no no space for more than one. There's only ever room for one queen. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at this within the rap community. There's thousands of rappers Mm -hmm. uh, who all dress the same and talk the same. They talk a lot about a lot of the same things and Mm -hmm. drive the same kind of cars. But there can only ever be one female rapper at a time. And if another one starts to emerge, the, the queen has to basically eat smaller yes the smaller female rapper on her way up like we have to it's a girl fight all the time that mm-hmm. happens because we've been told that there isn't space for us and that if we get into the room we are lucky we are privileged we've won a lottery mm-hmm. and that's it that's yep. the space taken up no more because again men have set that up as a precedent because they're afraid that there is strength in numbers mm-hmm. and so if we aren't isolated and we are together look at what happened with me too in times up mm-hmm. when we come together we change laws we change the world we change the conversation and we, we, I mean, I'm in Hollywood right now, and the atmosphere has completely changed to how it was even two or three years ago. It feels like men are, are afraid of push, crossing boundaries of women, and offensive things aren't being said, and I'm not being touched in places that I'm not supposed to be touched by a stranger mm-hmm. who I haven't given my consent to, and I'm not being asked for dinners at 10 p.m. at the house. Mm-hmm. You know, We are capable of such great, together. That's why we've been isolated. Mm-hmm. I look at this younger generation of men, like the ones who are gathering in Charlottesville or some of the ones who really brought Donald Trump to power. And I don't know how to tell them that this is not, in fact, a scary time for men. It's, uh, oh, it's a great time. It's a great time for men. It, well, it's a great time for young men. It should be a scary time for old men if you've been harassing people for 20 years and people can finally say that you were doing that now and not lose their jobs. But this more than ever feels like a time when men are free to be emotional and they're free to be 
partners in a real way and not have to hide their feelings from their partners. And it seems to me that that would be a good thing, but many don't like it, and I'm not sure how I can convince them. I think whenever I try to have that conversation, uh, some men do get very angry. I think they just feel afraid and threatened because we're walking into the unknown here, Mm -hmm. and they don't know what that's going to look like. And again, we come back to that that fear of redundancy that like, oh, if they don't need us, they don't need our firm and they've realized that they don't need us to lead and tell them what mm-hmm. to do and help them out, then then what will we be used for? And it's like, well, you'll be used as friends and partners. Yes, and real partners. Co-workers mm-hmm. and companions mm-hmm. uh, in many different facets. And, and maybe you'll be a father or maybe you'll be an uncle mm-hmm. or a, a functioning part of this wonderful equal society. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's nothing to fear. I think they just don't know and they have this idea that we are all feminazis and we will all become leaders together and they'll just be our sex slaves for their feed. Like, <laughs> that's not what we want. And, and I've noticed in my male friends who they've recognized that their mental illness is, is creeping upon them, they have had no choice but to open up and start to soften up a little bit. <laughs> and as a result of doing so, they are becoming happier, they are becoming stronger. They've started to uh, have more female friends. They've started to enjoy shows like Fleabag and Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think the world going forward will just be truly wonderful if we could all work together in unison. And I think it's also important for women to 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 make space in their mind for the idea that men can evolve mm-hmm. and to not just hold them to the standard of their fathers. As in, not to hold them to the standard of like, kind of like the old school toxic masculinity. We have to give men a chance to learn. We have to understand that they've had a lot of misinformation that they've been bombarded with since they were little boys as well. We aren't the only ones who are conditioned from very young to be a certain way. They thought, I have to be the prince. I have to be the leader. I have to be the strong one. I have to have the big muscles and I have to be tall. And if I'm short, I'm not a man. Mm -hmm. I have to have the most money and I have to be the provider Mm -hmm. and I have to be attractive to all of the other women. They have all these ideals that they are brought up with. And a woman must not be as smart as me. She must not be funnier than me. She Mm -hmm. must not earn more money than me or else I am not the archetype of the man that I've been told I have to be in every facet of life. Mm -hmm. Even pornography, like I mustn't, uh, spend too much time pleasuring a woman because I'm the man. This is about me getting mine. Yes. It's just everywhere. What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to know any better? So we must take that into account when we are trying to educate them and bring them into the modern day. Yes. I tried to apply that to my own feminism. And as a result, I've had so many men join in my feminist conversations and genuinely want to learn. And I've made my feminism a safe space for men mm-hmm. to feel like they can participate in this and and grow alongside me because I'm not perfectly woke I've got mm-hmm. problematic ignorance in me mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid to hide that I'm mm-hmm. not afraid of being criticized mm-hmm. and so because of that it has made my feminism very inclusive to everyone and I think we just could stand to do a little bit more of that yes if we're going to be progressives we have to believe people can progress exactly because because otherwise you're just saying to people if we continue to hold someone's previous mistakes that they've apologized for and that they no longer carry on mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. then uh, we are saying that there's no point in getting better and becoming a better person because you will forever be held to the standard mm-hmm. of the old ignorant person you used to be mm-hmm. who you're, you yourself have shunned. Mm-hmm. If we continue to do this, then people will stop seeing any value in progress and will stop trying mm-hmm. and they will double down. Yes, I think cancel culture is generally very anyone. bad. Yes. And 
However, I do think um, people do need to at least be visibly trying to progress then. There needs to be some kind of apology and some kind of effort made to become better in the spaces where they might have failed in the past. I feel like after Trump's comments came out about grabbing women by the pussy, which were just gross and appalling, um, first of all, he said, I'm not apologizing. There's nothing to apologize for. And I saw all of these uh, Christian groups saying, well, we have to do the Christian thing and forgive him. No, you forgive someone if they're trying to be better, if they're making an effort yeah. to be forgiven. And I think that is something that it's reasonable to expect from people as well. Toxic stereotypes continue to inform and curtail people's ambitions, desires, and attitudes. Women often unknowingly internalize misogyny and objectification. I know I do. They continue to comply with rigid gender roles and perpetuate them to friends, partners, and in social and mainstream media. This can take root when they are encouraged to conform to a preconceived, outdated, and harmful gender role by friends, family, or co-workers. I know a lot of women who say, well, I would never date someone shorter than me, or I couldn't date a man who made less money than me. And I think those are ideas that we have to examine within ourselves about why we grew up in a way where... That's something that is very important to us uh, when what might actually make us happier is a man who is a wonderful partner who is shorter than us and making less money than us. But that comes from representation. You know, the prince is never shorter than the princess. Right. Yep. So, you know, and uh, we we are so, so conditioned and we have our own kind of toxic Mm -hmm. ideals because of that. We need to, you know, we've actually had a bad boy glamorized, you know, in the leather jacket and he sleeps around and he's emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and he's brooding and he disappears for ages and he treats us terribly and, mm-hmm. and that's the man that the female protagonist is running after and trying to change and she's thinking, mm-hmm. I shall be the one who shall change him. Oh. I'll be the first. I think that's been incredibly toxic and it's made women not like nice men. Mm-hmm. I have really wonderful, handsome, kind, mm-hmm. soft, male friends who would be the most incredible partners mm-hmm. and I watch women just see them more as a friend because they can't they can't recognize their kindness as something that they align with sexiness mm-hmm. because sexiness has been sold to us in this very toxic way. It's sold to us that way from such a very young age that when you're in grade school, um, a man grabs your ponytail and he pulls it and it hurts and you tell someone that that was very mean what he did. And what do they say? They say, well, he likes you. He likes you. That's what's going on. That's He doesn't like you. That's a mean thing to do. That's not how people should express affection. And it's weird that society keeps facilitating the notion that bad treatment by men is somehow charming. It's charming because it's so aggressive. And I feel like women are criticized very, very early. If a girl was openly aggressive and grabbed another girl's ponytail and pulled it, she'd be sent to the principal's office immediately. Like, there's no room to get away with that. There is no girls-will-be-girls culture. And there is still such a boys-will-be-boys culture that allows you to be your worst self from such an early age. When people are continually talking about how 
Like girls, girls just develop emotionally. They're more mature than boys from a younger age. Yeah, that's because we've been told not to do bad shit. That's what comes from having negative consequences to negative behavior. And I wonder if uh, things could change dramatically if men were just told from a very early age, uh, no, no, you can't, you can't go around just hitting people. That's not cute. That's not you being a boy. That's uh, that's you being a bad person, and it needs to stop. I am. Um... I wrote a piece and, and read it out as a speech for the Makers Conference mm-hmm. called Tell Him. And in that essay, uh, I, um, it, it, I've used it as a kind of call to arms to the women in this world who have a young man growing up around them, whatever your relationship with that, that boy is. He is a sponge mm-hmm. and men are not born with the masculinity traits or the toxic masculinity that this is something that they inherit by a what they are seeing around them in the world. You have ample opportunity to actually redefine the narrative of masculinity and men and women and the relationship we have together. And in that, I not only call out all of the things that we are up against when it comes to all the things that we have to combat in our society in order to sort of help a boy unlearn these dangerous, misogynist ways, Mm -hmm. but I also make sure to implore women to check themselves in how they treat men mm-hmm. when men are little because that hugely, hugely impacts the way that they will go on to see other women in their lives. If you are a sister, an aunt, or a mother, they will see you in every single woman that they look at in the world because it's such a hugely important dynamic and it's very important to make sure that you not only are kind and loving and empathetic and open to them being emotional when they're a child but also how you represent yourself mm-hmm. will shape how he expects women to behave out in this world. So you must try very hard to maintain your independence, your self-respect, and you must not be afraid of showing your strength and your intellect and your humor. You mustn't lower yourself for men around you. You must show him what a strong woman looks like because he will grow up to think that that is a cool, iconic thing. Yes. Doing that means being up against a lot of societal forces. I used to work at this after-school program with very young children who were about six or seven. And boys would go over to the reading nook and they'd want to read a book about, like, a, a sparkly princess. And I would see other instructors run over and say, no, that book's not for boys. That book's not for boys. You want this book. This book is about trucks. And... Uh, those children are so young. They don't know that yet. They're being taught by us that they should conform very rigidly to a gender expectation from a very young age. And that's so sad. That's so limiting for, uh, for everyone. Mainstream feminism is becoming more inclusive and intersectional to people of all genders, backgrounds, and sexual orientations. It has been several years since the Me Too movement catalyzed the way we talk about gender, power, and sexuality. But as we start a new decade, there is still a long way to go. Body and image shaming, it's still rampant on social media, in politics, and in the press. Do you think it'll get better? it'll get better it is it is getting better already because of the platforms that we have and i'm seeing change and i think that this statistic from male suicide and just the fact that so many men are depressed mm-hmm. is going to, to force us into change and also men have access to female 
literature and thoughts and opinions and experiences in a way that they've never had before. Mm-hmm. And it is opening their eyes. You know, I see even when I talk about how I'm, how I've experienced sexual harassment recently and then other women write their experiences of sexual harassment or sexual assault in these threads underneath my Twitter, I see men just amazed at our experience and apologizing on behalf of other men and saying that they feel so disgusted at how an entire race is is being treated. And, you know, they've never had access to see in numbers how much oppression we have had to just take and tolerate and eat. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they are waking up truly. And also feminism has become a badge of honor. It's now cool. It's trendy. Mm-hmm. And and it's seeming outdated to try and hold on to your toxic masculinity. It's ridiculous, and a lot of men have realised that it makes them much more popular with women <laughs> to be more feminist. And if if that is the the root cause of their allyship, then I'm fine with that because it's still better than the alternative. Um, oh, I'm and it's but, really yes. great that feminism has gone from being something that women used to be embarrassed of aligning themselves with to now something that everyone wants to be called, mm-hmm. and it's a token of progression. And so I think that the change is coming and the change is coming very fast. Look at Times Up and Me Too. That happened so quickly and it changed an entire history of a conversation. I'm afraid I'm not as optimistic about it as you. I think there are parts of the country that are progressing rapidly and amazing. And then I go and I visit my parents in the South and it's a very different conversation. It's a conversation about how, like, everything was better 50 years ago. I read these message boards about young men who want the government to give them girlfriends. Um, and I don't even know how to begin talking about how ridiculous that idea is and how that is not love, that is not a partnership. You want a weird slave. I don't think it'll work out well for you. And I worry that when people like Tucker Carlson or Piers Morgan talk about how, like, everybody just hates men, they're trying to stop you from being happy, that means that the conversation isn't about how you and repressing your own emotions and repressing your ability to connect with half of the human race is keeping you from being happy. It shifts all the blame to feminism of women having rights is what's keeping you from being happy. A woman would be happily married to you right now, a lonely man, if only it was 50 years ago and feminism didn't exist. I know, I know. But I but I do think that those are still the, those are the dying generations. And, and I know that some of those can be young men, but really, truly... If you look towards Generation Z, the next generation, they are so much more gender fluid than oh, they've ever yeah. been before. There's so much more bisexuality, so much more homosexuality, and they are embracing one another and all of their differences and all of their similarities. You know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have been too poisoned by the well to perhaps be changed or redeemed. But I think that this next generation who will be fully in power within the next 10 years, I mean, even in the next five years, they'll be the predominant spending power Mm -hmm. in the world. They are my hope. I think they're my hope as well. This episode was produced by Steph Colburn and the team of women and gender nonconforming producers at Edit Audio. To find out more about this deep conversation, head over to harpersbazaar.com forward slash dare I say podcast.